brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of 580 WCHS or West Virginia Radio Corporation. With the power of Peyton on your side, we have the courtroom experience that you need. We never give up. We're prepared to fight for your rights. When you need action, count on us. On your side, the power of Peyton. It's 821 and it is 580 WCHS, the voice of Charleston, Jeff Jenkins with Harvey Payton of the Payton Law Firm. Let me tell you, Harvey is dressed brightly this morning. He's ready for your calls. 304-345-5858. Any questions about the law? Harvey is here to answer those. 304 304- Three four five fifty eight fifty eight. Don't wait till the last minute. Call now. Three zero four three four five fifty eight fifty eight. Harvey. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jeff. I told my wife when I left the house this morning. I dressed for radio today. This is Good. referred to in the Hawaiian rayon shirt world as the Stuart Granger shirt. Okay. This yeah. is the model. This is the pattern shirt that Stuart Granger wore in From Here to Eternity. And uh, well, I've got like about half a dozen of these. I just fell in love. But my wife and I went to Hawaii, to Maui, for the first time in about probably 1994, 95, mm-hmm. 96. Mm-hmm. And I bought this bright red, all rayon. It's the most comfortable. Still, I've still got it. Uh, Hawaiian shirt. And it's, so I've been back to Hawaii like four times. I always managed to pick up a couple of shirts. Now, unfortunately, the look has been appropriated by the Boogaloo Boys, this nutty right wing supremacist group because i guess they're identifying factor when they have their little meetings or when they storm the capital is to wear a hawaiian shirt but uh, that's not the purpose of this i do have actually i did buy a uh, gadsden t-shirt uh, don't tread on me and wore it around for a while just to see what reaction i would get and it was just neutral but well would liberal people give me the finger or would people honk their horn and give me the solidarity sign 
and just nothing. I mean, so it's just like, well, that's a nothing symbol here in West Virginia. I guess it's not a nothing symbol if you're a member of the Marine Corps of the United States Navy because that was the first flag of the Marine Corps. Christopher Gadsden was the uh, of South Carolina was one of the founders of the Marine Corps. What, 1775, mm. and still on naval warships, uh, particularly in the in areas of combat like the Persian Gulf, they have the "Don't Tread on Me" symbol emblazoned generally right. on the front of the bridge. So, well, Harvey, let me ask you something as we get started this morning. And again, the phone number is three zero four three four five fifty eight fifty eight. This week, we've been following that. We've talked about this over the last several weeks. Uh, the opioid epidemic trial, and now all evidence is in. Yeah, it's all and, in. And, and uh, Judge Faber's scheduled closing arguments for the last week of the month, and then he'll make a decision at some point. But, you know, the defense strategy was don't call many witnesses. Right. I mean, I think the it's uh, – if you'll harken back to the Don Blankenship case, mm-hmm. a defense strategy that I predicted was, well, their, their defense is going to last about 10 minutes. They're going to move some evidence – documents into evidence and rest because the burden you know the burden is not as heavy in a civil case uh, if there are allegations of fraud in a civil case then the burden of proof on the plaintiff is by clear and convincing evidence which is not beyond a reasonable doubt but is a level greater than just a mere preponderance or more likely so than not but in any event even if it's a mere preponderance you have to prove every element of your case by a preponderance of the evidence. So, you know, to prove that there's an opioid epidemic that affected Cabell County, that's easily provable, uh, almost beyond a reasonable doubt. To prove that there were large numbers of opioid uh, dosages distributed by... Casson and Cardinal and whoever the other one is. Mary Source Bergen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a given. Those are all records, undisputed facts. But then to prove that there is a proximate cause or legal cause connection between that and the sort of morphing of the overdependence upon pills to the fentanyl, uh, other opioid use that really slayed Huntington in the early teens. Has that been proven beyond a reasonable doubt or by a preponderance of the evidence? That's what I think Judge Favor has to decide. The, the, the fact, the underlying facts of this number of pills and this number of addicts. We got a, is that a call? No, no, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> is, is a given. Although, in order to prove the case, that wasn't stipulated. That right. evidence had to be put into the record. Uh, expert testimony on... Uh, the connection, the legal connection between distribution of drugs by the three distributors, middlemen, these aren't the manufacturers, these are the middlemen, these aren't the pharmacies or the doctors who did this prescribing, nor are they the individuals who got their hands on the pills after market and distributed them to folks who shouldn't have had them. Uh, but as, as I Follow the testimony, and all I know is what I see in the papers. All I know the lawyers involved. I know Tony Magistro mm-hmm. very well. Tony's a really good lawyer. He works hard. Uh, Paul Farrell, I sort of know. I mean, his uncle Mike and I went to school together. Uh, <clears throat> but the leap from that to, well, once the federal government said cut back on the 
pills. Well, once the the guidelines of the AMA had been modified for pain clinics to reduce their use of opioids, the market dried up, and therefore, because you created a, a group of people who were dependent, they had to turn to heroin and fentanyl, which, as I understand, is a part of the causation of the case. Right. Yes. That's, uh, I'd be interesting to see what the reasoning is that Judge Faber adopts in deciding that, that issue. To me, that is the issue. Mm-hmm. That and damages. How do you recompense uh, programs, that were, some of which were going to be provided anyway? And then how do you, what effect do current events have on the consideration or certainly on the court of public opinion when long after this lawsuit was filed and long after this problem was either created or not created approximately by over-prescriptions and over-distribution in the early aughts, in, 20, in 2020, we have a 90% increase in drug overdose deaths, the highest it's ever been on record since yeah. records were capped. 49% in West Virginia. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, obviously those are deaths of despair, and I think it's in de- it, it is representative of the impact of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, you know Judge Faber, and, and he's been yeah. around a long time. Knowing him, we've got nine weeks of testimony here. I mean, he's Obviously, he's been keeping up the whole time. I mean, what kind of a judge is? You know what I'm saying? What What would you – it would be a well-thought-out – Yeah, well, yeah. and, you know, they've each got two law clerks. And since Faber's been exclusively handling this case, I suspect both of his clerks – he may have three. I'm not sure now. But, you know, really smart law school graduates, well-read, who are – study this case, study all of its elements, who are in the courtroom every day taking notes. Uh, I would presume that, I mean, my experience as a law clerk back in the 70s was that once the court heard the testimony, we would all convene in the judge's chambers and we would talk and he'd say, well, go find me some, where did you see that in the record? Go to get the court reporter in here. Let's have her read this. Now, that was nothing on the scale that we're talking about here. I mean, mm-hmm. this was about a bridge falling in in Parkersburg after being hit by a barge. But the process is the same. It's a deliberative process with the judge and his law clerks. A lot of testimony, I'm thinking 60 days, right, to get a to get a final ruling. Mm, two months, to, okay. To me, that would maybe more quickly. I don't think we're going to see any 90 or 120-day delay. I'd be surprised if we do. Because Judge Faber's on senior status. He, he can pick and choose. Uh, what else he takes aside from this case. And having accepted this case with high visibility and a lot of importance, I would think that he'll just see it through to the end. might be 30 days. I don't see how it could be any more quickly than that because you're talking about thousands of pages of testimony to deal with. Like 40 days of testimony or something, close to 40 yeah, days. Yeah, some of it. You know, one of my high school classmates, Jesse Cave, was a – drug rep for McKesson. He testified on behalf of the, I think testified. I know he was a consultant for McKesson in the trial. Um, and Tim Deere, the pain doctor. Tim Deere, yeah, former classmate of mine. Was he really? Yeah, you're, you're ahead of me in school. High school or college? High school. Really? Yeah. The Riverside? Yeah. East Bank High. Oh, oh, the old East Bank. We're East Bank grads. I didn't yes, realize that. I mean, <laughs> played football together, yes. Well, now there's, there's the defining 
<laughs> moment in every high school. We played high school football. We did. That's right. Tim was a very good player. I suspect he was. He's athletic even to this day. But oh, I, yeah. He's a, yes. About the only time I see him anymore. I used to see Dr. Deer frequently because you know, I had a, have accident victims, many of whom, unfortunately, develop chronic pain syndromes or other neurogenic causes for pain that they treat, in my estimation, quite effectively. But now I only see him at the airport when he's off, like, on some jaunt to Uganda to climb the highest mountain in the world or somewhere. You know, it's just, I guess it's the, it comes with the territory. You don't have to work as hard. You've been there a long time and built a big practice. You can do what you want. Uh, we'll, and we'll read it with interest. It's not the end. It's not the be-all and the end-all for Huntington. Certainly a recovery when it comes. They had to remember you got findings of fact, conclusions of law, and a ruling by a district court judge, which is appealable to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, mm-hmm. to be argued by a panel. Now, the standard of review is a little different when it's a judge as opposed to a jury, but the Court of Appeals can decide that. Then you can ask to have it on bank, or if a three-judge panel rules and sustains the court or reverses it, you can ask to have the full panel hear it, which is nine? Nine? Uh, twelve or nine? Twelve. No, twelve, okay. But you don't usually get them all. Right. Um, or, um, and after that, you can obviously have the right to file an appeal with the United States Supreme Court. It doesn't mean they'll hear it, but in any event, from the time Judge Faber renders an opinion, a decision, however it goes, I'm thinking you're looking at 18 to 24 months before there's finality, unless there's some settlement. Now, you know, right. And, and I mean, you mentioned the dry and Harvey Payton's with us. Any questions about the law? Lines open for your call. 304-345-5850. Got a personal law situation, legal situation. Want to ask Harvey about it. He can answer the question. 304-345-5858. And you mentioned, you know, really kind of the, one of the drives of the plaintiffs is, there's recovery. We've got, we've started programs, but our funding is not is finite. Right. It's not infinite, so we need additional funding. So I think that's one of the drives of their case, obviously. Well, it obviously is for the city of Huntington and Capital County because they want to address this problem with limited re- with finite resources. And of course, there are no infinite resources. Right. Right. Even the United States Treasury has to quit printing money sometime. Right. I don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> We seem to be doing quite well with it. I mean, this week we're going to have a child care benefit that's going to put another several billions of dollars into the economy. Can't hurt, right? If you're on the receiving end, if you're somebody who produces a product to be sold. But, yeah, you know, and the status of the appeal, obviously, and I'm not privy to this, and if I was, I wouldn't say, but there have been some settlement discussions. There are settlement discussions in every case. These people didn't get to where they are right now without somebody offering some money and somebody turning it down and somebody making a counterproposal and the defendants turning it down. Uh, if Faber, Judge Faber issues a what appears to be a well-reasoned opinion fighting for the plaintiff, but maybe he doesn't give the plaintiffs everything they think they should get. Maybe his analysis of the damages is more in line with what the defendants argue. Well, that's an almost impossible issue to win on appeal. And that might end up with the defendants writing a check. I mean, I've been involved in a lot of civil cases where after the case is resolved, the defendant just says, look, here's a check. Just, you know, you think, no, we're not going to appeal this. Here's a check. Just let's get it over with. We can live with that. Uh, 
finality is good. I mean, this is really the obviously what the plaintiffs hope for, I would think. And I can't read their minds, and I don't want to speak for them. But if I was a plaintiff's attorney, what I would hope for is that this is the first case to get a trial of this nature, that it would be a number that would tell the defendants, look, you better come up with some real money and get rid of this, or you're just going to be driven into perpetual bankruptcy, because it's a big number. It'll set the stage to settle a lot of other cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not necessarily. You know, the... the uh, some defendants just take the attitude, well, there's one case down. All right, Cal Huntington, that's, there's one case down. Uh, Nitro, let's hear your case. Well, what do you do if that happens? The judge can lean on you. He can say settle, but nobody can make you write a check. Then they'll say, okay, uh, Beckley, let's hear your case. Let's all just get in this little merry-go-round here for the next quarter century and see how it works. That would be the worst possible outcome hmm. from the plaintiff's standpoint. We're going to take a break here yeah, we'll with Harvey, back. and we'll come. I can take your phone calls 304-345-5858, 304-345-5858, This is 580 WCH. Ask the voice of Charleston. When you're considering investments, you look to the most reputable financial advisor with the most proven track record. When it comes to the law, it's experience and dedication you're looking for. And when it comes to your personal injury legal matters, you won't find a more dedicated and experienced team than Peyton Law Firm. With over 60 years of combined experience serving national, regional, and local clients of all sizes, it's Peyton Law Firm that the Valley trusts to lead the way. When experience matters most, visit PeytonLawFirm.com. This is Dr. Michio Kaku. Join me on Science Fantastic as we explore the cutting edge of science on 580 AM WCHS. Professor Michio Kaku takes you on a weekly adventure on the Science Fantastic, a science show that explains the complexity of nature in an understandable and engaging way. Feed your brain on the Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. Saturday evenings from 6 till 9 on the Voice of Charleston, 104.5, 96.5, and 580. WCHS. Brought to you by City National Bank, where you can get a home equity line of credit with rates starting below prime. Equal housing lender. For a convenient location near you, log on to bankatcity.com. We're still accident-free on your Thursday morning commute. We do have one report of some debris in the roadway. I-77 southbound, mile marker 127. That's going to be between Fair Plain and Kenna. Also, we have the Jefferson Road Railway Crossing, which is going to be closed starting at 830 this morning and will remain closed until 830 tonight for maintenance work on the railroad crossing. So definitely plan an alternate route. From the WCHS Network Traffic Studio, I'm Jenny Murray. With the power of Peyton on your side, we have the courtroom experience that you need. We never give up. We're prepared to fight for your rights. When you need action, count on us. It's 839. It's a song you can sing along to because Harvey Payton is here at the Payton Law Firm in Nitro. 304-345-5858. You were gone last week. I think yeah, it was last I, week. Well, I was over with doing Chris's job because Chris was gone. Well, but yeah. so I was with uh, Dave Allen. Yeah. Uh, 
which was, and he asked specifically while we were on the air about the source of the uh, the song, the theme song. That was a that was actually a promotion that this station had in the early 20th century. We were already with you guys because yeah. we got on board like 1998 when the Arnold Agency was helping us try to get some top of mind awareness, and the station had a promotion. Paul Howard was the sales guy at the time. He said, "Look, you need a jingle." Several people, and I, there were about four advertisers who participated and they had some outfit from texas you know they interviewed us and what do you do and what's the message and they send in two or three of these tracks and actually ph picked this one out did he yeah Paul. Yeah. <laughs> said i'd say what you want is something snappy and so as, as dave allen and i were talking about commercials i mentioned to him that jim humphreys is a good friend of mine when humphreys was doing a lot of advertising for asbestos cases in the late 80s and 90s he frankly said, look, the worse the ad is, the more the phone rings. He said, people don't like the flashing lights and the sirens and the flashing letters, but those are the ones that make the phone ring. It gets people's attention. Let's go to the phone lines. Oh, good deal. And Bill, Bill is on the phone with Harvey. Bill, good morning. Morning, Bill. Morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning. Good morning, morning Harvey. Yeah, morning, Bill. Hey, I'm interested in your opinion. On, uh, I was listening to you on the opioid case there. Uh, some stuff that's going on out there right now. Uh, for instance, the uh, uh, child tax credit mm-hmm. that the uh, direct deposits, you know, start today. Right. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about that? You know, explaining you know, what uh, Kanawha County Board of Education. I understand. Yeah, they're. Uh, got eighty-two million dollars coming down to them. Yeah, that, that's from the rescue uh, funds. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, where does this stuff stop at? There's a lot of federal money out there, Harvey. Well, I guess it stops when Congress uh, says to stop. Uh, that's all I know. I, I, I think, and I, I'm not a social scientist, and I'm not a political scientist, or a politician, but I think the basis, at least the intellectual basis or fundamental principle behind child care credits is that it helps families with childhood development, it helps nutrition, it helps with child care so that uh, parents can get into the workforce, Uh, it allows them to uh, perhaps upgrade educational opportunities for their children, and lifts, lifts folks out of poverty, just above the poverty level. And perhaps we'll we'll stop the other ways in which we have subsidized low-cost labor for years. You know, I assume that this credit, along with stimulus payments, counts as income. You know, for decades, this country has subsidized low wages through rent subsidies, Medicaid, and uh, food stamps, nutrition programs. You know, if we and cheap credit through credit cards available to everybody, even if they can't pay it back. If you take those things out of the equation, we would have had a workers' revolt in the United States in the early 1990s. You just can't keep paying people uh, a minimum wage that's losing value and expect. I mean, people have hopes and wants and aspirations of freedom, and they have better things for their children, and they want to have a family and love somebody, regardless of their economic status. Uh, so, without 
backdoor subsidies to low-wage payers, employers, we, we just couldn't have persisted, period. I mean, the labor movement was crushed in, in the early 1980s when organized labor, an essentially conservative group, did not call a national strike, sit down, when Reagan fired the traffic controllers. And so you tell me that workers in the United States, 40 years later, that took place in August 1981, July and August 1981, 40 years ago, you tell me that the American workforce and family is better off today than it was then, other than the fact that we could also give people subsidized telephones, and we managed to reduce trade barriers with China so everybody could have a cheap big-screen TV that they buy at Walmart, which is West Virginia's leading employer. Uh, but I don't know where it ends. It ends when we come to grips with some fundamental uh, economic forces in this country is what I think. And we revamp the tax system so that the uh, person that cleans my office doesn't pay tax at a higher rate than Jeff Bezos. That's my thought. You want, so that's just, I mean, that, that's radical. What do you think, Bill? I, th- I thought that uh, back in the 60s, uh, during uh, my generation, uh, birth control and education was the uh, solutions to this. Yeah. You know, no, well, I don't disagree that, that with that either. That, parent, that parents could, uh, yeah, if you want to have, uh, and, and I also, you know, just thinking about this the other day, when it, whenever I, you know, came along, uh, most every family had uh, six, seven kids. Yeah, I mean, there was a... Today, today uh, you're lucky to... Uh, if, yeah. <laughs> find maybe one or two per right. family. Now, birth rates are extremely low, but uh, keep in mind that at the end of World War II, when the, when the United States of America brought two million servicemen home to the United States from a war overseas, there was no economy in Japan. There was no economy in China. They were in the throes of an intense civil war that would end about 1950 with the domination of Mao Zedong's uh, Japanese or communists and the Chinese who were nationalists went over to Formosa, which we then called China. France was in shambles. Britain was broke. I mean, the Brits called us in the early 1950s and said, look, you've got to take care of the Suez Canal. You've got to take care of our, our problems in the Middle East. We don't have any money. France and Belgium at, were, in, were in ruins. We had, we had bombed Germany back to the Stone Age. There was absolutely no competition anywhere in the world. Sub-Saharan Africa was still uh, barely civilized. The Indian subcontinent was owned and subjugated brutally by the British. There was nobody in the world to compete with the United States for manufacturing industrial products. We dominated the world. We benefited from that for 30 years, maybe 40 years. Times change, right? Times change. We just didn't change our outlook. Everybody wants to remember Welch when they had a theater on every corner and an opera house. And the streets were crowded at noon. That's a justification for relying on coal. Things change. It's a different world. Well, let's uh, get back to low birth that. rates are a fact of life. Climate change is a fact of life. Uh, you know, the fact that when you look at, well, theories of economic opportunity is uh, you look at the differential in wealth distribution between those who self-identify as white and those who self-identify as black Americans. 
and the answer is, well, we, we can certainly situation. get more. The answer is, well, why can't we have a few more black billionaires? Well, the answer should be, why can't we have fewer billionaires across the board and more people who are prosperous? And would Overall, you say, Bill, about the opioid epidemic hasn't helped? Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It was hardest, radically. Let's go back to the opioid situation. With all this money flowing out here, uh, parents uh, sitting at home, uh, you know, with nothing else to do, is it going to get better or is it going to get worse? Well, I don't know who parents are who are sitting at home with nothing else to do. I think Thanks, raise, raising well, I mean, children I mean, is a pretty why, big why would we be task. And putting out. food on the table is a pretty big task. And uh, caring for your aging parents is a big task. And seeing that your children get up and go to school is a big task. And some people do a better job than that than others. But uh, and I, I know Bill, he's a good-hearted person. He's, But we may have a fundamental difference in the fact that I don't base the decisions that I make or opinions that I hold based upon an idea that somewhere, someplace, a colored person in a big city is getting some benefit that I don't. I mean, I just think that that's the fundamental, uh, you know, we're living in a state, in a region that has the greatest disproportionate reverse flow of tax dollars of anywhere in the country except the Indian reservations. $14,000 on average per person flows into West Virginia from the federal government every year. But we complain about people who live in cities. So if you think that a person living in the city making $7 an hour and getting a rent subsidy is the reason that you don't have a job in West Virginia, you got it bass backwards, buddy. <sighs> That's my thought. Anyway. 304-345-5858. That doesn't have to do with the law. Let's talk about the law. Yeah, 304-345-5858. 304-345-5858. Three, four, five, fifty-eight, fifty. Okay, staying on this vein a little bit of because this is huge in West Virginia. Now, there's a there's a separate case with the drug maker Purdue Pharma, and, right. and they've got a bankruptcy plan, and a judge up in Southern New York's going to rule on that August seventh, and and all these states and all three thousand plaintiffs, right. several in West Virginia, and it looks like to me, Harvey, and it sounds like to me that this that. And it seems the observers say that the judge is going to side with the plan to divvy up this money uh, by population instead of by how bad the opioid crisis has been in particular states. Yeah, I think that's correct. The, the, the case was pending. What in White Plains, New York, yeah. which a pharma says is near its Connecticut headquarters. Others say, well, it's because the bankruptcy judge in that particular district does have a reputation, not for dishonesty, but he has a reputation of being – uh, he prefers negotiated, hammered-out settlements as opposed to uh, drawn-out proceedings. And so, yeah, I think he's going to approve it. The only issue is what do you do with the Sackler money? The people right. who owned it, the plaintiffs say, drained a lot of money out of that company, and now that they're in bankruptcy, what they What do you do with their personal money? Right, their right. personal money should right. come into play. All right, let's go to Doug on the line. Doug, you're Morning, on with Doug. Harvey. Thanks for calling. Yes. Go ahead, Doug. Okay, I have a question for Harvey. Sure. I have a uh, situation. A lady is, uh, I guess you would call it squatting on a piece of property of mine. And I went and asked them to leave. And uh, my, she, uh, her and my son are married, but they, she would not leave. He did. And uh, I was advised to go get an unlawful detainer, which I did. And, uh, of course, the process server could not serve because she won't answer the door. And she won't pick up a uh, certified. So uh, do I have any other recourse? 
Well, eventually you can get her service. You got to come out sometime, or you can post it on the door if it's no, if it's her normal place of abode. You can do it by posting. I assume it is her normal place of abode because that's where she's living, and, right. and that counts. Uh, it also could be a criminal offense. Now, the problem we run into, you know, if someone comes onto a piece of property without your permission, that's technically a trespass. It's not a criminal trespass until you tell the person to leave, and they refuse to do so or they leave and re-enter the property, that becomes a misdemeanor, simple trespass, which is, the, that's exactly the case you've got here. I mean, it's the same way with people who enter a, an abandoned house. They're trespassers. Right. Now, well, there's some hesitancy, I can tell you, on the part of law enforcement, because this woman was engaged in a social relationship with your son, they, they tend to say, well, wait a minute, that, that's a matter for the civil courts. We're not going to get involved, but it's probably worth your while at least if the property's in a city, to talk to the uh, municipal authorities. If it's out in the county, to talk to the uh, sheriff's department. At least to try. Because right. they they can certainly arrest someone for the misdemeanor offense of trespass. Now, it's not really, there's, not until you commit third offense, third degree trespass, which is you keep coming back. Is there any jail time involved? I don't believe it's a fine, but at least it'll get their attention. I feel for you because a human being is the hardest thing to to remove from property. But I well, I actually went and turned the, had the utilities turned off because they were, of course, in my name. And uh, uh, then she went and had them turned on, putting her name. Is there something I can do about that? Well, yeah, you could call the utility and tell them you know, that, that she's not authorized to have utilities at that address. That's what I okay. would. Do. I mean, I, she may have lied about it, but she has no authority. She has, she doesn't live there. She's right. Unless now did she have a lease? There's a lot. There's a lot involved in here in facts that might muddy the situation. Well, there was a lease situation. There wasn't a lease at all. Uh, the whole situation was that I was going to let her and my son uh, stay there. Uh, but then the, the people that owned the park, it's in a uh, mobile home park. Mm-hmm. They came in and said, "Well, they cannot. They will not pass the uh, background check." Right. And so, the, actually, the lady in the motor home park that runs that property, she came and told me, she said, uh, you have to ask them to leave, which I did. Right. Uh, but then he left, but she would not leave, and they were only there like three weeks. Well, the park could also take some action as well. You know, right. She's occupying space in their park as well. It's, not, it's hardly fair for the mobile home park to tell you that they can't stay because of a background check and then expect you to carry the full load. I'd call them and say, look, you got to help me with this. What's your right. procedure? I mean, they can remove, right. there's a procedure under the code where they can remove the, the home. Right. Right. So, but yeah, posting, posting is a valid method of service. If it's the front door, the usual place of abode, it can be a criminal offense, although law enforcement is hesitant to intercede when it's a family matter. And number three, I think you need to approach the park itself from the standpoint of, hey, I've got to have some help in enforcing this. Right. You're not getting any rent, I assure you of that. Nobody's paying you, right? Oh, no, well, I pay, I pay for You're the, paying the lot rent, and it's a dead dog loss for you. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, Doug. Thank but, you, Doug. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Hope that goes well. Three you know, if there were never any human yeah. problems, there really wouldn't be a lead. If you take automobiles off the highway, if we all travel by high-speed trains, and uh, or like Scotty did, beam me up, Scotty, unless the, somebody found a way to scramble the ions there, and we came out with Scotty had like three heads and a tail, who would need lawyers? Right? I mean, it was, we would sit around and we'd write, uh, everybody's going to die sometime. 
We don't know when or how. That's what hope's about. So you're going to do estate planning for people. You're going to handle estates. People buy and sell real estate. That would be what it would devolve to, actually. Business would still transact some business. Well, you get you and Tom get into, I mean, it's just part of the business. You get into messy situations, and you try to, fi- and you try to fix them or help them. Well, you, you, the, the job of a lawyer, as the great senior Frank Litton used to say, is we're here to help people. And a lot of times, helping someone is not telling them what they want to hear. It's telling them your opinion or what you believe to be the truth about their situation. And then you say, now, you know, here are the risks involved. It's risk avoidance and risk minimization. We've got to get you out of this situation with the least possible harm, which may not always be a pleasant thing to do. Uh, That's really, you know, a legal education, when you get... Law school, there's a lot of case study. There's not a whole lot of practical study that's real helpful. I mean, how do you write a deed? How do you do this? Well, you, you can learn that if you go to the courthouse and get a copy and use it as a format. But problem solving is the primary teaching goal of most law schools. Now, Harvard and Yale may be different. Stanford, University of Chicago, UVA, there may be programs, you know, that the critical race theory that we hear so much talked about, I mean, that was a legal concept uh, sort of germinating in the 1990s about what role the law played in demographic patterns. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all it is. Now, that's what we're talking about the highest level of graduate schools where people are thinking about going into policymaking positions, uh, either in a master's in business administration or a doctorate in public administration and a law degree. But at at the level of land-grant universities, WVU, Ohio State, UK, it's it's risk assessment, risk avoidance, and problem solving. And, 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 the, and the stages you use are all the same regardless of how big the problem. You know, what, what are the facts here? What are the bad things that are happening to my client or which can happen to my client? How can we avoid those? And what's it going to take to get there? Can we afford to get where we want to be? Uh, and once you get that in mind, and you do it for a while, then you're really pretty good at it. Yeah. I'm really good at it. Tom's really good at it. I've been doing this since 1974. That's a long time. Tom's been doing this since 2000. That's a long That's 21 years now. 20, 2001. 20 years. Licensed both here and in Ohio. Uh, learning when to keep your mouth shut. Learning when to tell your class to keep your mouth their mouth shut. Learning when to open your mouth. You know, that's learning how to relate to judges and the public. That's one of the reasons I think it's so important when people talk about selecting a lawyer that when you see these people advertise on TV that we're the biggest in the world, but we're based in Orlando, Florida with offices. Well, well, what good can you do me if my case involves how do I relate to a judge and a jury in Braxton County? I mean, one of the biggest compliments I ever had Paid by a judge was A.C. Spaulding. We were in his, he said, you know, you've, you've, when I was a prosecutor, you had it. I'm a judge, you've got it. You've just got an innate knack of knowing what these people on a jury want to hear and how to get it across to them. So, well, I know, it's just one of those things. It just happens. I'm not bragging, but, I mean, I was always really good at that. Uh, oh, he's got a very little bit of time. So, if you want to take advantage of that, aspect of the Peyton Law Firm to help you if you have an injury or an illness or suffer a loss, call us at uh, 
304-755-5556. Visit us in Nitro in beautiful Putnam County, 2801 First Avenue, or go online at PaytonLawFirm.com. Send us an email. And someone will be talking to you next week, probably Tom. All right, good to see you, Harvey. Good to see you. Cameo appearance coming up on TalkLine. Stay tuned for that. Harvey's going to be on TalkLine for a little bit, all right? That's in the 10 o'clock hour. Good to see you, Harvey, again. PaytonLawFirm.com. PaytonLawFirm.com or 304-755-5556-304-757. 580 WCHSAM, 96.5 FM Charleston and 104.5 Cross Lanes, a West Virginia radio corporation station. It's 9 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Brian Clark. The latest sign of economic recovery is on display today as fewer Americans file claims for unemployment benefits, says ABC's Jim Ryan. Last week, 360,000 unemployed Americans filed their first claims for benefits, 26,000 fewer than the week before, according to preliminary numbers from the Labor Department. The week before that, the revised figure actually rose by 13,000, but the four-week moving average, the figure closely watched by analysts, remains on a downward slope. Another sign of the economic recovery is inflation, says Claudia Sum, a former Federal Reserve economist and senior fellow at the Jane Family Institute. She says the surge of inflation in June is not permanent. And a sign- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.